Welcome to the Cocktail Guru Podcast. A show about food, drink, and entertainment. With a tight focus on the good life. And all things delicious, luxurious, and fun. I'm Jonathan Pogash, bartender, author, TV personality, and founder of The Cocktail Guru. And I'm Jeffrey Pogash, wine and spirits professional, author, insatiable collector of culinary ephemera, and so people tell me, an engaging raconteur. And my dad. This is a biggie. It, what is it? What's a biggie? <laughs> this one. This episode. Oh. It's one of my favorites. I did something I've always wanted to do, John. You know, since we started our podcast, I've been wanting to do a mukbang. Uh, a mukbang. Here we yes. go. Here we go again. And, and finally, I was able to do it because I, your mother and I went to the Poconos and I dropped her off somewhere. Somewhere? Where I, was the somewhere? Yeah, no. <laughs> you just dropped her off on the side of the road? Come on. Well, well, there happened to have been a building there, so she went inside. Oh, a building where you do what? <laughs> well, it's called, it's called a casino. Oh, okay. okay. You must know. A building where you it's take little casino. quarters and put them in slots and then pull handles. and. Well, no, you don't have to do that anymore. Okay. That's old. You haven't obviously you haven't been to one in a long time. Well, yeah, I guess. But I dropped her off there, and then I went to just down the road to the Pocono Brewery, which is a fantastic place. Yes. And I met with the owner Jean Luc and the master brewer Ryan, and we had uh, they gave me a tour. We had a fantastic time, and then we drank the beer, tasted beer, then started drinking the beer along with their wonderful oven roasted pizzas oven they have their uh, own oven baked oven baked they have their own pe- glorious pizza oven that they brought mm. in from italy and it makes fantastic pizzas. wow well dad you've been talking about this brewery for uh several months now and it's, well, it really sounds been, like sounds like you had a great day i must tell you i've been passing this brewery for years and i did go in a couple of times for a, a lunch on my own and then one day I decided I'd start talking to the people there and introduce myself. And lo and behold, we were able to do this podcast episode direct and live from the brewery. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't join you. Yeah. And, you know, among the other things, among the various things that they showed me was a cask of their Imperial Stout beer, which they uh, it, w- it was in the brewery at the time. But they bury the casks in the ground. Yes, to well, age the beer. For and what's the what's the reasoning behind that? They well, I think it, the reasoning is about um, about um, compressing the cask and and the lack of air. So like and a cool and cool dry from the ground. Mm. It it just uh, ages the imperial stout in a way that makes it absolutely delicious when when they dig up the cask and bring it out. Wow, it's. it's Absolutely fantastic tell me, beer. Tell along, me a little bit along with all the others. Tell me more about the food because you're really starting to make me hungry. <laughs> well, the food we, we had—they uh, have a variety of food. They have uh, barbecue. They have all kinds. They have hamburgers, all kinds of sandwiches. But they made a couple of pizzas for us, and one was a margarita pizza, and I think the other one was a pepperoni pizza. Mm. So it was absolutely good. And they go, the pizzas go perfectly with the beer, of yeah. course. And they yeah. have, they have lager, they have 
uh, uh, several IPAs and Imperial Stout, and it's uh, just Yum. a delicious lineup of beer that goes beautifully with food. Well, I'm Anytime. I'm fully thirsty and hungry right now. <laughs> well, I am too, just thinking about it. And you'll be even hungrier after you watch this episode. So, bon appetit. When I arrived at the Pocono Brewery, I met with brewmaster Ryan Conway and the owner-operator, Mr. Jean-Luc Vitiello, who took me behind the scenes of the facility. Come along with me as Ryan talks us through the tour. So over here are our oak barrels that we get from Manitoni Stillworks. In those barrels, we age our double mash burial stout. This clip right here, this is our wood-fired pizza oven. This was actually imported from Napoli, Italy. This is where we do our traditional hand-tossed wood fire pizzas. We have a very traditional family and we do traditional Napolitan recipes. The oven itself is at 1200 degrees Fahrenheit and the pizza's cooked in about 60 seconds. The whole oven is actually one piece. So there's no ventilation in there. The ventilation is actually that hood on the front. That's where the smoke comes out and it rises out through the chimney. So all the heat stays right in that dome. So it keeps that consistent heat all throughout the night, all throughout the day. And that's how we cook our pizzas super fast. So this over here, this is our boiler. This is the, uh, the beating heart of the brewery because that is where all the water gets heated up, turned into steam, which all that heat goes into cooking our mash, our wort. So that's where, uh, that's where all our power comes from with the heat. This is our brew house. Uh, the shelf at the beginning, that was all of our grain that we go and make all the beer in. You know, we have a 10 barrel brew house at PVC. And that, that is where we brew the beer and then moving into this area here, this is the cellar. The cellar room is where we age the beer. It's where the fermentation happens. You know, fermentation takes anywhere from 16 to 30 days. We have four fermenters and eight brights. So we can have about 160 barrels of beer on hand at a time, including cold storage. After taking the grand tour, it was time to taste through their beers and learn more about each expression. Let's dive right into Let's it. Let's taste, please. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll start here at number one. Right. Uh, number one is number one because it's the first beer we ever brewed. It's called Pocahontas, named after the name where the Poconos derives its name. Pocahontas in Lenape Indian means uh, a stream between two hills, which is the Delaware Water Gap. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we named the Poconos after. And now you're drinking a little bit of Pocahontas. Well, cheers. It'll be a light uh, citrusy notes on the finish. And it's just a very simple golden ale. Mm. Right? That's good. Very smooth. That's really good. A golden ale. Golden ale. Which is somewhere in between like a lager and an ale, is it not? Maybe a little bit before lager. Um, it is an ale, so it's mm -hmm. going to have a little bit warmer notes on the finish. Mm -hmm. But it is, uh, it's right there with like a blonde ale, golden ale, very light, just before you get into the lagering process. And, and ales much. are top fermenting? Yes. As yes. opposed to lagers that are bottom fermenting. That'll be Correct. the question for our yes, our educated youth. Ales <laughs> ferment in warmer temperatures. They ferment from the top down, so they ferment more rapidly. 
So you can get a lot of bright, warm notes from it. But lagers, because they ferment in colder temperatures, they sink down to the bottom. They require that colder temperature. So the sugar basically comes down out of suspension and comes to the yeast. But it's that slow, cold fermentation that gives you those classic, smooth, cool, slightly sweet notes in a lager. Yep. I must tell you, I cut my teeth when I was in college in Wisconsin, cut my teeth on lagers. I was drinking things like Michelob, well, Michelob, yeah, but old Milwaukee, uh, hams. That's an old one. Oh, they're, they're all oldies. You, 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 you're, uh, you're giving us your, your age here. And also Heineken was that when mm. I really wanted to get extravagant and go all out, I ordered a Heineken with my pizza at, at the local hmm. spot in Wisconsin, which was called The Spot. That was the name. And uh, But as my taste buds progressed, as I started tasting more and more beers, I became undoubtedly, I mean, decidedly a, an ale drinker rather than a lager drinker. And I just now, every time I go out, I'm ordering ales. Well, what's, uh, what's nice about the ales is there's a lot more variety. Yeah. Uh, there's not as many lagers brewed because it takes a lot longer in that cold process. Um, ales cover everything from golden ales to stouts, lightest to darkest, whereas lagers, uh, there's light beers and there's dark beers, but they're, they're much further in between. Uh, whereas ales pretty much cover, I think it's 75% of the, the, the beer market. About 75 But, to but that wasn't true before, was it? That... Uh, well, all, the, all the, the big guys grew lagers because yeah. uh, they, the, the flavor stays consistent for longer. So a Heineken, stay on, a Heineken can stay on the shelf for over a year in right. a lo- as a lager than right. if it was an ale. Um, so, uh, so that's one of the reasons I think they choose to, to get into that. Ales are like, ales are like, like a magnesium fire. It's bright, it's powerful, very short, but lagers are like that, that steady burning flame. You know, it's always consistent. It's low light, sometimes a bit milder flavors, but it's very consistent over time. Well, call me crazy, but I find ales to be so complex rich Absolutely. the flavors are just incredible and that's why i always go after ales to me lagers are much more one-dimensional well generally well hopefully we have we can... one lager to to kick you into and then we can get right back in the ales okay let that so give me as many two. lagers as you like that's fine uh, this is our mock chunk named after uh the city of jim thorpe previously known as mock chunk uh and that city is has deep roots in the poconos and the, uh, the making of a great city takes time, much like the making of a great lager, the mock chunk. Well, maybe I'll change my opinion about lager. This is go. absolutely delicious. Well, thank this you. is fabulous. Yeah. Nice it's, caramel notes on the finish it, with a light crisp, uh, crisp back end. It kind of seems to be heading a little bit toward ale. I don't know, but that's just my taste buds talking. Mm, that's so good. I also have to tell you that my first... Ale, and this is what got me into ales, oddly enough, was Ballantine oh. India Pale. Nice. Ballantine IPA. Mm. That was my first. And I must have been, I don't know, 19 or 20 years old when I first tasted it. Wow. That was I didn't a long time. They were around that long. Yeah. Well, speaking of IPA. <laughs> well, speaking of IPA, our next beer up is Wally's. definitely one of our most popular. That is our Wally Wilson. Wally Wilson. 
IPA. Wow. And who is Wally Wilson? So <laughs> it's a fan- deep lore. It, it's a fantastic story. I love this one. So what year was it that they bought out the town? Uh, roughly 1906, I think, was the beginning of the uh, the build. So in 1906, uh, the town of Wilsonville got bought out to get flooded in order to make Lake Wall and Paw Pack. And after they made the Lake Wall and Paw Pack, the PPL company built a hydroelectric dam there. And now it, we named our beer after Lake Wall and Paw Pack and the town of Wilsonville at the bottom, Wally Wilson. They say on a really dry summer, you can still see the church steeple poking out of the lake. And where is Wilsonville? So it's at the bottom of Lake Wall and Paw Pack. Which is? It's out. It's out. It's out here over in the Poconos. So it's, it's about thirty the, minutes away. So from it's here. in this area, yeah. general area. We try to relate all of our beer names to something in sure. the area of the Poconos. Sure. You know, we are the Pocono Brewery Company. So our beer names, if we have adjunct ingredients or any kind of addition we try to source them locally first so that way we can you know if we are the pocono brewery company we want to put forth that essence of the poconos we want to bring out that terroir and you have that's delicious that's i think the saying he's going for is we are the we are the pocono brewery company because we are the poconos (laughs) um and we try to embody that within the names and ingredients of our beers as best as we can a bit more succinct wonderful um so next up, the double. Well, we're actually no. going to keep going in progression of the, the numbers. So oh, by the time okay. you get to the double, we'll oh. be almost at the end here. Great. Um, we're going to go to number seven, which is the next number we have on tap. We did skip four, five, and six because we have our Ruby Wilson, number four, our Pocono uh, Pines Pilsner, Pocono Pines Pilsner, number five, and our Magic Bus is number six, yes. right? Um, which is another IPA for, for four. Uh, another Pilsner, so a lager-style beer brewed with a Christmas tree for five uh, and a uh, and a wheat beer for six. And then we go to our first stout. So you have a nice dark ale here. I, I thought this might be a stout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is called the 5-7 Oatmeal Stout. Uh, and we embodied the area code of the Poconos, which is 570 five, for that. Seven. So, mm. Wow. The nose is incredible. Very nice coffee chocolate coffee, notes coffee on there. Coffee chocolate. And you'll pick yeah. up a lot of that on the flavor profile as well. Mm. Mm. Yes, this is, <clears throat> how can we call it, the baby sister to the Imperial style yeah. that you make? I'm I mean, glad that you mentioned that because yeah. this one has a, an older brother, our Imperial Oatmeal Stout, the Underground. Uh, where we take this beer, we imperialize it to 11%. We put it in a locally sourced whiskey barrel, which as local as we can get is Manitoni whiskey out of uh, Philadelphia. Really, really great uh, spot if you ever want to check out a distillery. Um, but they, they, they give us uh, 10 to 15 barrels a year, and we bury that beer underground for nine months and unearth it on our anniversary party on Father's Day every year. Uh, so we have the little brother and the older brother which has that really great coffee chocolate note on there as well. I've never heard of any brewery doing that with their beer, burying um, their beers. Do you want to hear the story behind yes, that one? Because it's a full circle situation here. Sure. So um, we, uh, we're good friends with a, a local winery that takes one of their wines and they bury it underground. Um, so our first year, I decided that we wanted to try that out. We, we, we took a beer. I talked to the owner over there and we, we buried our beer underground. Uh, with the permission of the person who I had thought 
had come up with the idea. Uh, and it turns out after we met Ryan and we talked about that beer and we started brewing it, he explained that his first job that Tammy got him was for that winery. And it was his idea to bring back an old tradition uh, of winemaking that is an underground aging process. If you want to talk a little bit about that. So back in antiquity, if you didn't have the money to dig out and build a wine cellar, your next best option would be to bury it underground. Once you hit a certain depth, the ground's going to be a consistent temperature all year round. There's no air exposure. And it's especially nice aging it on wood because you have the angel tax, which the water inside will evaporate out and you'll lose volume over time. If you ever like go to a distillery where they're like, you know, aging something for decades, they'll open the barrel and it's like halfway full. They didn't fill it halfway. It's just that natural distillation over time of the evaporation just brings it into a more concentrated liquid. But when you age it underground, because there's water in, in the dirt, that water has nowhere to go. So it just flexes in and out, in and out of the wood. And you just keep rolling more and more of that char, that vanilla note. Now, does this one go into oak barrels? Also? The oatmeal stout does not. Just only not. the imperialized version. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we, t we tend not to put lower alcohol beers into barrels because there's more room for for error, error and, and bacteria growth and things, and we end up with some sour beers, which we've happens. done before, and they're really great sour beers. Mm. But uh, when it comes to the stout, we, we really like that high alcohol. The coffee is incredible. It's coming right through in the yeah. middle of the mouth. It's fantastic. Thank you. And the beverage has to be 11% at minimum yeah. to basically clean itself to stave off bacterial infection, which is why we age our imperialized stout, we get it up to at least 11% alcohol by volume. So mm. that way we don't have to chemically stabilize it. We don't have to put any more preservatives in it. It just keeps itself clean as it ages. And all of these will go very well with food. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. yes. Especially pizza. Especially pizza, for sure. What's a better combination than beer and pizza? Absolutely nothing better. Nothing better. We can uh, continue on. Mm. Yes, we can. To Please. a... So in, in continuation, yes. we're, we're actually talking about another beer that has a uh, little brother and older brother with a barrel aging process. Uh, and that's number 14. This is our Appalachian Cider. Mm. Um, we call it the Appalachian because it's locally sourced apples from the Poconos. And we live uh, at the hardest point of the Appalachian Trail. So we named it the Apple Appalachian Cider. Uh, it's number 14. So... Mm -hmm. Take a lick of that. Uh, it is a bone dry cider. We ripped all the sugars out of that. So you're going to have some really crisp apple notes on the finish and not so much sugar or sweetness mm. that you'd notice on the regular cider. Not sweet. Not sweet. It's, it's like hard, hard cider. Yeah, absolutely. It's because, you know, we get it fresh pressed the night before we brew it. We don't have any preservatives. There's no extra chemicals added. It's We only add sugar if, you know, it doesn't have enough to start jumpstart yeah. fermentation, but otherwise it is a completely pure cider, nothing added to it. It is raw and real. Mm. And mm. because it's that real natural flavor, you get that fresh, crisp apple flavor on the front end. And you can only get that if you have something that's really fresh when you make it. I'm philosophically opposed to trucking in ingredients because you don't know. They give you a list of everything that's in it, but you don't know what's in it. They could 
put whatever they wanted. Someone could put their feet in it. Sure. Who knows? That someone could go swimming <laughs> around. Not. I've known the family that presses those apples since I was three years old. Hmm. I've been picking apples and strawberries and getting produce from Heckman's Orchard uh, my entire life. Wow. You know, So we know exactly where the ingredients are coming from. And where are and they located? They're located about 30 minutes away from here in Effort, PA. Wow. Um, wow. And uh, I go there every year. Hmm. You know, We know them personally. And... That's why we choose to, to stick with them and, and stay local with, with that and amongst other ingredients that we put in everything. And what's the alcohol level? That is that is 6.8%. 6.8. Very good. Um, so its older brother is 14.5. So we Oof. took uh, 55 gallons of that and we put it into one of those whiskey barrels from Manitani Whiskey ah. and aged it for how many months? It was a much shorter age this time for two months because it didn't have that alcohol content. We had to make sure that we had no air exposure. Like we had to be very vigilant about this one because it is at risk for bacterial infections. Mm. But if you're vigilant about it, in and out two months, but it picks up a lot of that really nice whiskey flavor, mm. the vanilla note, because mm. there's no sweetness in the cider, all the sweetness from the whiskey right. really comes out. Wow. Yeah. That is really, really interesting. That is delicious. This is also yeah. served at a lower carbonation like you talked about that imperial mm -hmm. stout in the bottle earlier. Um, so lightly lower carbonation, so you can really pick up on those whiskey notes and it's not being broken up by, uh, by that aeration. Yeah. You could actually, you could make some interesting flavored ciders. Yes. Yeah. Well, we actually take both of these and do a few mixed drinks. Uh, like uh -huh. on our cocktail menu, uh, we have something called the strawbellation cider, mm -hmm. where we take uh, strawberry puree and blend it with the apple cider, uh, giving us a nice That's, fruity note on yep. the finish. And since it's yes. really, really dry, uh, it it almost leaves room for, for other sweetnesses to, to be promenaded in the front. So that strawberry really, really comes out, giving you a sweet cider without having to have any residual sugars to find inside that beer. Because... Uh, usually ciders will have like sugar added in the finish to, to add that sh that sweetness to it. Um, and we're not here to add anything to this beer. The apples do the job and that's what, uh, and we, we let them do the work and create this awesome, uh, this awesome piece. So there are some delicious and innovative and complex cocktails to be made. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's we're not beautiful. only, uh, beautiful. brewers. We're also, uh, drink gurus, if you will. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. I can see that. I've always said that brewing is a fantastic conflux of science and art because as scientific and as precise you can make all of your measurements, at the end of the day, art is subjective. And you're always going to get someone who takes your finest beer, takes a sip and says, this sucks. <laughs> well, yeah, just like mixology, you know, yeah. it's part science and part art, but yeah. most, mostly art. It's mostly a lot of fun art. too. Yeah. I love mixing yes, it drinks. Is. Right. Um, so the next one to dive into is going to be the one that you've tried to pick up almost every time. <laughs> yes. Is our Wally Wilson Double Dutch Dipper. Uh, that one. is our double IPA. <laughs> so we've taken Wally. We've imperialized it to what percentage on that? That's going to be oh, a 9.8%. Uh, 9.8. Um, really nice, sweet caramel, yeah, caramel notes on the front. Caramel. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. That's You're also going to get uh, some citra notes on the nasal, uh, some some mosaic hoppiness, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to be yeah. 
very citrusy, grapefruity. Uh, and then the flavor profile is just a really nice, smooth, oh, this is incredible. Uh, that that high alcohol content doesn't come out on the back end yeah. because all of those sweetnesses and, and hop textures really blend together, giving just a smooth flavor. I in think the my favorite part is it's really the finish because you get a little yeah. bit very lightly yeah. on the Wally, but especially with the double IPA, you get that caramel note right mm -hmm. on the finish. And that's probably my favorite part about drinking it. This is what won me over to the yeah. IPA category. That's why just, you're here today. That's why I'm here. <laughs> no, and I, when I was here for lunch, I had the Wally Wilson IPA, but I didn't even know about the double double Dutch IPA. The double Dutch. Well, at the time, it wasn't available, I think. This was a uh, – uh, we, we brought this out in December? Yeah, towards the end of December. So it might have been uh, either just – came out just after you got here. Wow. Well, I'm wow. so happy to be here yeah. now that it's well, available. The Imperial great. beers, we have to limit ourselves when we do it because, A, they take up a lot of time. They take up a lot of space. But it's also a huge brew day to make them. You know, Jean-Luc, he starts the day at 10 o'clock at night, starts brewing all throughout the night. Mm -hmm. I'll take a nap and then show up at about 3 in the morning to keep on that mash process because mm. you need to go through so much grain to mash out. It winds up being like a 16 hour work yeah. day. And then you just on and off, fall asleep and wake up and make sure that valves hit, do that. Oh yeah. It's a never ending yeah. process. Almost sure. no time to eat. Right. But and, there's time to and eat. And guess now. what? Guess what we have in back. We have what some we have? luscious, luscious pizzas and another brew. Wow, this is incredible. This is incredible. Thank you, gentlemen, for this incredible taste. Wow. Look at this. Ooh. So me and Ryan will share one, and you can have one okay. to yourself. Thank you. Thank I need you. to diet. Oh. All these I'm beers not, are going I'm right not to able to eat an entire pizza like this. Some of it, I most most often, I share with my wife. I, she's busy working and gambling assiduously in the yes in the casino uh, and working very hard and, well we'll see if she's done well when you have to you know sell one of the cameras yeah exactly we're yes, down another camera exactly, angle. exactly so in front of us here we wow. have a margarita pizza uh fresh mozzarella cheese uh homemade uh tomato sauce mm. and fresh basil cooked in our wood-burning oven imported from Naples, Italy. And that oven is incredible. Yeah. Brian Was he telling you the temperature? For, he, oh, he, he fired it up he for fired you. fired it up for Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So you got the Vincenzo real treat. Was late. He's not only a brewer, but he's learning how to make pizza I can now. See. Anything that has to do master. with fermentation, he's in it. Yes. Uh, and also the beer that I've, I've uh, brought out is our basil saison. This is mm. number nine. Mm. This is a uh, saison mm. brewed with, uh, what is that? Five pounds of fresh basil? Five pounds of fresh oh, basil wow. leaves. Wow. So this with the margarita is the Whoa. perfect combination. So it's kind of in the tradition of a Belgian uh, ale? A somewhat little a little bit with a, uh, with a a special blend of yeast that we we, we, we blend two different yeasts together mm -hmm. that help give us a nice peppery finish. Mm -hmm. So it's almost adding a little bit of salt and pepper to the end of your pizza. Well, you know what this is called when you do a podcast and you eat at the same time. What's that called? It's called a mukbang. 
a mukbang. A mukbang, and I have always wanted to do a mukbang. Well, we have not done one yet. I'm honored on to. Our uh, podcast. I'm this glad this first. episode has been a, a bunch of firsts. This is a. It has been Thank first you, for Ron. beer, the first mukbang. Mm. Mm. How about you make a pizza later, mm. and this will be the first Ooh. time you made a pizza. I have never made a pizza before. There you go. We'll see what mm. you got. Mm. This is the, the crust. Cheers. It's just incredible. We thin. We make all of our dough fresh. We make it you know, every morning. Enzo makes all of our dough fresh. Mm. <laughs> every morning, Enzo comes in to mm. make all of our dough fresh. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why he was late. He just didn't. So I'm not sure it. if Ryan uh, told you about the oven, but uh, again, it is imported from Naples, Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's built as one unit. So a lot of the wood burning ovens you'll find in the U.S. Uh, are two to three parts that get plugged together because they're very, very heavy, a lot of uh, fire-resistant concrete in there, uh, and so on. And it and what that does is when you have to put those together, you, you create spaces where heat can escape. And the whole point of a pizza oven is to main, re- retain that heat within the oven and feed it into the pizza as hot as you can. So our oven maintains a temperature between 900 and 1,200 degrees, depending on how many pizzas we're actually making at a time. Um, and it can only do that because it's one piece. And, uh, and so this pizza actually cooks in about 60 seconds. It just flash cooks it. Um, you can actually see on the side here where like, you know, you have darker spots and lighter spots. That's because that flame is just shooting heat at it. But what I love about it is it's not burned, not burned at all. So many wood fired pizzas come out burned and I could never quite understand why that was happening. The reason is, is because since that temperature in the oven isn't that 900 to 1200 degrees, mm-hmm. the deck is still so hot. It takes longer for the top of the pizza to cook. Mm. So that deck burns oh. your, your, your pizza. I so unless you're constantly cooking pizza and, and putting the pizza on that mm-hmm. same spot, mm-hmm. cooling that deck down, you'll never actually have a consistently pizza, consistently cooked pizza all the way through. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the temperatures we're running, the top and bottom are cooking within one minute consistently together, and voila. It's also really cool pizza. to just watch because, you know, you put all of your ingredients on top, all the cheese and everything, and you can quite literally watch it in real time. The cheese just settles and melts down. The, you, get, you watch the dough rise on the crust. You know, <clears throat> this is really interesting because the dough, the crust is very, it's very soft. It's very doughy. It's a, it's like putting your head on a down pillow. It's just it's very gentle, to, soft, and delicious out, way to, to make a pizza. And I don't think I've ever had a crust quite like this before. Well, thank you. Wow. Enzo, uh, Enzo's the best. Mm. But the pizza oven is also a big piece of that. This is what we've done my whole life, actually. I was, uh, I was born in the pizza, pizza industry. It wasn't until 10 years ago that I really got into the beer world. Um, we, uh, we used to own another restaurant about a half hour away from here called the Luna Rosa. And uh, we had my grandfather actually came from Italy and helped us build a pizza oven there. Uh, and that's how we brought the wood-burning pizza oven industry sharing, to the Poconos. I want to share this pizza with my friends here. So when we decided to get into the beer world, we, we also wanted to make sure that we were bringing in something else that we love. Uh, and that's the pizza. So we, we, we took the game room out of 
what was there and built an entire uh, stage, basically, for the pizza oven. Uh, because these pizzas are cooked, as you saw, right in the middle of the dining room, pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And that's one of the best parts. You can come up and watch pizzas get made all day. <laughs> it's really great. If this beer goes so well, it would have, it's just yeah. incredible. I think Not just this beer, but this beer no, is designed specifically see. for this. Well, Try it double, out. Double see how the double dutch. You've got this one right here. That's the double dutch. That's think, what I was really anxious to yeah. try with the pizza. I think one of the most fun things that's been you know, operating PBC is that fusion of Italian cuisine and beer brewing, because a lot of the features of Italian cuisine are simple recipes, high quality ingredients, and your flavor just comes from fresh, high quality ingredients. So we get to try to emulate that with our pizza, our food, and our beer. You know, we try to have really fresh, high quality ingredients, and we make beers that I don't want to call them simple, but, you know, if it comes down to having 14 different grains, well, can we cut that down? What are the flavors that we want to distill? And let's aim for that. I would rather have three pronounced flavors in a beer than 14 muddy flavors in mm. a beer. Mm -hmm. mm. Simplicity is bliss. Mm. The margarita pizza, uh, like he said, is, is four ingredients. And it's delicious. So if you can, you can put more ingredients on that and it'll just get better. But, uh, you know, my thought is always simplicity is bliss because mm -hmm. you could put a bunch of ingredients on, on a pizza that isn't good and it'll taste okay. But if you can get down to the bare basics and have a pizza that is addictive, like this one is, um, I think you've done something really great. So, so good. So good. And what's the difference between the saison? that we're drinking and the, the double IPA. So the Saison, the biggest difference is that it has an adjunct of basil in it. So you get that herbal taste to it. The yeast we use is also a special blend that we create. So the yeast that we use gives it a really nice peppery finish. But with the double IPA, you get a lot more of the sweeter multi flavors combined with the bitter hop notes. So this one is a lot more herbal, a lot more peppery, whereas double IPA is malty and bitter. One thing I always like to talk about <clears throat> when I'm teaching classes, which I do on wine, mixology and beer as well, I always include beer, is the importance of yeast and how yeast, even when it comes to it's more obvious, I think, with beer, but with wine as well. Yeast contributes so much to the flavor of a beer and wine that it's often ignored. The yeast is actually the brewer. We're just pushing yeah. water no. in the right direction mm -hmm. for yeast to do its job the right mm -hmm. way. There's an old saying in the brewing world where brewers make wort, yeast makes beer. And when it comes to, let's say, champagne one of my favorite wines yeast is everything when and i'm yeah. referring yes. to champagne in the province of champagne in france <clears throat> true champagne from france is yeast driven whereas california sparkling wine for example is fruit driven hmm. yeast i didn't know that yeast is what contributes to most of the flavor in a in an aged champagne it's really hmm. remarkable 
it's it's also really fun because my degree was in fermentation, so I learned a lot about wine and beer, but also a lot of food fermentation. One third of all foods on earth are fermented foods. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of the obvious ones like sauerkraut, kimchi, and you have a lot of less obvious ones. Bread is a fermented food. Chocolate mm-hmm. is a fermented food. Mm-hmm. And it's this really cool process of utilizing microbes to transform a substance into something more flavorful, more nutritious, more edible. Have you ever heard of harkarl? No. So harkarl is an Icelandic delicacy, mm. and it is fermented basking shark. Ooh. You told me about this. Mm. Basking shark is toxic to humans, but when fermented, the microbes break down those toxins to make it into an edible food source. Mm. Apparently, it tastes absolutely foul. The gentleman from Weird Foods tried some, and he said it was the worst thing he's ever eaten. But I guess it's just an acquired taste. I don't know. People are eating it. I'd like to try it. Mm-hmm. Can we get a basking shark in? Okay, let's go. Mm. Um, so I think we've done something uh, cool here because we've saved the last beer mm. uh, that we have on the flight oh, good. Uh, for just towards the end of the pizza. And we can almost consider this a dessert beer. Uh, this is our Wally C-137. It is a hibiscus tea-infused kettle sour. Um, it is on the line between an IPA and a... Uh, what were we talking about yesterday? Almost like a shandy. Ooh, Almost like, yeah, a shandy. like a shandy. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get some real nice tart notes in there. Uh, our souring is at a... Uh, is at 3.14 on the uh, on the sour scale mm. pH balance. Mm. pH balance. That's really good. That um, really good. And it brings out some really bright, uh, rosy notes on it. Um, another cool thing about that beer is it's our, I think, fourth version of Wally. Mm. Uh, so Wally, we we kind of like build different styles of beers based on Wally himself. Uh, so this one is named Wally C-137 because it's a Wally from another dimension. Uh, it's a Rick and Morty uh, play where this is Wally from another dimension where uh, the world has been Cronenberg. Ryan has a car and the brewery is three feet to the left. Right? <laughs> wow. That really goes well with this pizza, too. Yeah, I mean, everything. Well, <laughs> all of them are going to go well with the pizza mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But that is a real good finishing beer, mm-hmm. as well as it's another beer that we like to do mixed drinks with because it's got that sweet sour note to it. So it blends really well as a cocktail too. And that tea that we use in it, we get it sourced from Morgan Rake, which is a local coffee and tea grower in uh, Blakesley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a little bit south of Blakesley in Effort, PA. Uh, it's called Morgan Rake Coffee Roasters. And uh, as, a, as a history of the Poconos, she actually resides in as well as runs her business out of the old Effort Hotel, uh, which if I am uh, saying, if I'm, if I'm naming the person right, I'm pretty sure uh, Lincoln stayed at that hotel at one point. Mm. And if not Lincoln, another important president. Um, that hotel has been around for almost 200 years now. And, uh, and they're in the process of restoring it, as well as you can walk through and go to their antique shop, 
and their tea and coffee shop. It's a really, really cool, like local spot to just check out as well as get some delicious product from. And that's another reason why we choose to choose them. Yeah, we love history too. That's one of the reasons why we started this podcast, as a matter of fact. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It was incredible tasting for the fabulous pizza. This is just beyond my expectations. It's just been an incredible well, thank you for incredible time here at Pocono Brewery. Thank you very much. Wow. Dad, <laughs> that that all looked amazing. I mean, the, their facilities and, and the beer, the food looked like you were having a, a ball, really. I, I was having a blast, even though it was pouring rain outside at the time. It was a right. tropical downpour. <laughs> but we had we were warm and toasty and cozy inside, having great beer and great food. The, the, the foods it tasted great. It smelled great. The beers mm-hmm. smell that the place perm is permeated with the scent of, of fine beer. So it's a great experience. And I recommend it to everyone. Uh, my favorite. Yeah. What was your favorite? Did you have a favorite beer? Yes. Yeah, the IPA. Oh, you, you do love, you do love IPAs. That I'm, we know. I'm an IPA fan yeah. and, and I really love, Oh, uh, here's the thing. They have an IPA and they also have a, Double IPA. Oh, right. So a little higher, those, higher alcohol for the. Yes, those year. those were my two favorites. Uh-huh. Dad, where uh, if if our viewers or listeners are are interested, where do they, uh, where, where do they go? Should they stop by? Yeah, well, if any of our listeners or viewers are in the Poconos, you should definitely stop by, and try it for yourself. Um, it was, as I said, raining that day, so we didn't get to. Uh, use the outdoor facility, but they do have a beautiful uh, patio outside, which is great when the weather is nice. And it's um, in the Poconos, but near uh, a town called Scott Run, Pennsylvania. Right. So it's that section of the Poconos. So it's um, really neat, quiet little place and a beautiful area. And uh, anyone can just drop by and tell them that Tell the Jean-Luc and Ryan that you saw the podcast and then sit down, enjoy and have great food and great beer. So they should drop, they should drop our names. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, they should definitely will drop that actually our names. <laughs> will that actually get anyone anything? I it might. It. Yeah. No. Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. But Make always, a smile. Always, always worth a try. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if you, if you find uh, some space in your car next time, maybe I can tag along with you and mom. Well, only if you introduce me to uh, Christy Brinkley. Oh, right. When we had Christy Brinkley on. I understand. I understand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Then, All right. then I'll take you. But thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you next time. That does it for today's show. If you enjoy what we do, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also support the show with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Just click on the donate button at the top of our website and choose your donation amount. To learn more about our guests, visit www.thecocktailgurupodcast.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. The Cocktail Guru Podcast is produced by First Real Entertainment and distributed by Eats Drinks TV, a service of the Center for Culinary Culture, home of the Cocktail Collection, and is available via Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 